you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. We will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude and our new recruit Anna. And you can tell it's a second take of the intro when I put a weird emphasis on one of the words that doesn't usually have one. <laughs> um, because that's the one I would get wrong on the first one. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Um, I have a new video game, so... Better than I was. That's exciting. Cool. I'm I'm yep. doing I'm doing pretty well. Had you know a fairly productive week. Um, dyed my hair super bright, Little Mermaid red, pretty much. Uh, my bathtub does still look like I murdered Elmo in it, though. God, if only. <laughs> it's been like a year since I at least since I had to deal with Elmo, and I still have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> remember remember when tickle me em- elmo was a thing uh i have one still we have one upstairs hidden in the back of a closet and every now and then it comes out uh much to my dismay but yes i do <laughs> so my question for this evening is what kind of flyers are each of you it depends on who i'm flying with okay okay uh my wife is an incredibly anxious flyer and that infects me. Like, I get anxious on her behalf, like, worried mm-hmm. about her anxiety, and that makes me anxious. If I'm flying alone, then I'm fine. I read a book, play a video game, whatever. But if I'm flying with her, that makes me anxious. And the first time I flew alone with my son, uh, I was a hot goddamn mess, even though he was fine. But I was just like, if this plane crashes, like, I have to deal with, like, I am the responsible person here. I have to handle that situation. And being a parent sucks, okay? Let me just throw that out there. If you've never, <laughs> if you are not one, you you simply cannot conceive of the psychological torture that is having the most important piece of your existence walking around out in the world. It's awful. It's It's just the most hellish nightmare you can fathom. It's great also, but it's also a nightmare. <laughs> As for me, I'm I'm a pretty good flyer, like not much anxiety wise, but I am prone to motion sickness. So uh that's <laughs> have you just ever gotta seen, pop that drop mean. Uh, have you ever seen motion sick gla- sickness glasses? No. No, what are these? Oh, they're so silly. They're great. I'm I'm looking this up now. Um I've tried those like acupressure bracelet things, which seem to maybe work. I generally bring like a packet of ginger candy, but I tend to, I try to steer clear of the drama. I mean, just because it knocks me out for like hours and I, I don't want okay. to be like that out of it when I'm doing things like picking up my luggage and like attempting to navigate an airport. Well, you can get yourself a set of these handsome. Uh, these are disgusting. Those feel like they would make me <laughs> more motion sick. Apparently they work. 
Huh? Interesting. Uh, anyway, this has nothing to do with person of interest. Uh, motion sickness doesn't. Uh, tr- planes do. Yeah. Uh, tonight we are covering uh, two episodes. Episodes 13 and 14 of season three. Uh, 4C and Providence. Um I do not have 4C. I think that is Anna. Yep, that would be me. Take us away. All right. So this one's written by Melissa Scrivener-Love and Greg Greg Plageman and directed by Stephen Williams. So John is still holding firm on his plan to leave the team and has, in fact, decided to leave the country. We catch up to him as he waits to board a flight to Istanbul. Unfortunately, his flight is overbooked and he ends up in a first class seat on a flight to Rome instead. Once the plane reaches its cruising altitude... John receives a text on the phone he purloined from an obnoxious businessman across the aisle. 4C. John interprets this as referring to the young man in that seat who's guarded by two federal marshals. Wait, whoops, no. Uh, one federal marshal, because the second is knocked unconscious and left in the airplane restroom. Uh, when John calls, Finch insists that he did not arrange this situation and the message is not from him. Uh, in fact, the machine arranged all of this and sent the message without Harold involved at all. John tries to alert the remaining marshal, who brushes him off and then promptly passes out, uh, leaving only John and his newfound ally, the flight attendant, to protect the dude in 4C. It turns out that he's being targeted not only by drug cartels, but also the ISA for his involvement in a online drug sales operation. Shaw gets to threaten her formal, former colleagues, and John gets to do a lot of hand-to-hand combat in a plane, uh, including in the bag- baggage compartment, and protect his ungrateful geek. Since they're unable to take out the number directly, another cartel agent disguised as the other flight flight attendant incapacitates the pilot and co-pilot, disables the autopilot, and starts to steer the plane into a crash. John breaks into the cockpit to incapacitate him, and Harold manages to hack into the plane's control system, bringing the plane to a bumpy but safe landing and earning a round of applause. John sets up the number in a safe house with a new identity, hooks up with the flight attendant, and is joined in Rome by Harold. They talk about Carter's death, the machine, responsibility, and free will, and John agrees to come back to the team, after he gets a new suit from Harold's Italian tailor, of course. Okay, the first thing I want to talk about with this, the flight attendant Holly, she is a queen. I yes. love her yes. so much. She makes I, the whole episode. My God. I no, I gotta tell you, I actually kind of love this episode. Yeah. It's it's one of my like favorite one-offs. Yeah. Yeah. No like... one piece of this episode should work, but it just kind of all comes together. Like the number is the perfect so there's numbers you hate because they're just badly done. Yeah. And there's numbers that are terrible people that you hate and you just hate them. Because and they're because they're just so awful. That's a whiff. This is a number that you hate and you're supposed to hate, and they play it perfectly. Yeah. When yeah. John tases him with the shock belt, like for funsies, <laughs> you're you're just like, it's so good. And he's oh, it's perfect. Oh. He's just a little piece of shit who ha- who I mean, the 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 part of this episode that has aged like the finest of wine <laughs> is this dude offering to bribe John in Bitcoin. No, Bitcoin's yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, he's like, I'll give you Bitcoins. It's great. Yeah, it's, he's such a little shit terrific. weasel. 
My favorite part with the shock belt is when when he hands the remote to the flight attendant being like, just press this button if you need to contact me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll notice. I promise. It's fantastic. Um, I love the number and I really appreciate how like John is so irritated at the front, at the front of this episode. Cause he's yeah. just like, I just want to get away from this. I'm done. I'm ready to go. And then, but he can't help but feeling like he's, he, it's John. He has this responsibility. He's got this yeah. like Superman complex where he has to like, do the right thing and there's just like authority there's just people dropping like flies right. up in first oh, class yeah. and he's just like god damn it he just like every time he tries to pawn this dweeb off on someone it's just like this guy passed out in the bathroom this guy passes out in his chair yeah this guy you know assassins 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 and it's just like, like like when he goes to the, he when he goes like, to the like down. The second marshal is like, you may want to uh, check on things because your pal is unconscious in the bathroom and his gun has been stolen and maybe this is a problem. And the marshal's like, ha ha ha, pull the other one. Yeah. Wait, does that gun ever come up in this episode? No, because it it gets stolen by the guy that um, hijacks the plane at the end. It gets used to hold the plane, but it never actually gets like used. It just gets knocked to the floor. And I was like... That's, uh, it, it's like, just it's just there for the threat of a explosive decompression. Yeah, which, if I recall correctly, is not actually a thing with a with like a bullet yeah. hole. No, it's not. Federal marshals on planes don't carry rounds that can pierce that that could theoretically pierce it. They bring frangible rounds. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the hijacking at the end, but we'll get there. There is so much in between the start and the end of this episode to enjoy. Yeah. One thing that is like that that is funny, just like when they when they're like on the plane, like the the guy who keeps talking on the intercom sounds like Hirsch, <laughs> and I was like, and it, it, like it, it's like it, it's just one of those things of like I can't identify a voice over like you know an intercom that well, but it's like this sounds like Hirsch, and it's like he ends up in the episode, but he's like, but I'm just like, but was it like was it like. Well, we've got him in the studio anyway. Let's just like stick him in front of a mic and have him do some lines. <laughs> that would be so. That'd be very funny. I actually really enjoyed both this ep- both this episode and the next one, partly because it's like they're both, in some ways, very predictable episodes. Like it's they're they're kind of like the the airplane bottle episode, and we'll talk about the next one next. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're episodes that like. The plots recur on a lot of shows, but they, they're really done very well. Yeah. yeah, they're very much the taking the POI format and doing it really nicely within the genre of a bottle episode Yeah, or yeah. the next episode, doing it its own way, particularly the like, why would the machine put John on this plane? Oh, because it's a relevant situation and he it needs an agent on there and it doesn't have anybody else. So it happens to have... One of its uh, side agents, uh, who's doing a nutty, and just conveniently slots it and slots him into place with no concern <laughs> for his his personal business. And the thing that I really enjoy is that the number does not go to because the machine figures out. Wait, the ISA is also involved in this and could be the potential cause of this. Yeah, yeah. I can't give this relevant number. To the government. So it's like, hey, John, fuck boy. <laughs> yes. You go yeah. to Rome, bitch. <laughs> and I, 
I wonder if if John hadn't been like in the airport at that point, would Root have been on that plane? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Yeah. I'm always slightly dubious of when they portray John as like immediately sexy to other people. But I do appreciate that Holly like is the 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 flight attendant is responding is like immediately like, oh, you're the person who's not being a tool yeah. in first class. And she's immediately friendly. And then as soon as she sees him like beating people up, she starts to get a little like a little hot under the collar. <laughs> like it's just a very like predictable trope, but it, it it I don't know, like the chemistry that they build over yeah. the course of the episode works. So when yeah. you see that, you know, they they've hooked up at the end of the episode, it it it's actually like it's good. It like works. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it is a crying shame that she never reappears. Seriously. Oh, absolutely. Especially because it's like you have a perfect setup for her to like not always be in the series, but to make return appearances. Right. With a flight attendant of like, you know, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like a flight attendant would sort of kind of be a perfect, like, okay, we'll talk about this more the next episode because there is that next, the next episode clearly is like depicting John in a committed serious relationship. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you know, like a flight attendant who's like comes in and like, you know, John is like, oh, hey, if we're both, if if both of our weird schedules have us free on a night, yeah, we'll hook up. It's like, yeah, no, that makes sense for both of them. Like, John is not somebody who is like, has relationships with normal people anymore. Right. So, like, it would work. But, and I'm like, I, I am, like, my headcanon for this is that John and Holly, like, see each other multiple times throughout the rest of the series. That That is my personal belief. Yeah. 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 I'm on board with that. I also like that. In spite of how cranky John is about like being forced into this situation, he still can't help but be himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when, like like the who are you concerned frequent flyer? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yes. exactly. Like <laughs> it's the best. Like he doesn't even have Finch listening to do this bit for. It's entirely for himself. That's the funny part to me. Yeah. Like most of the time when he's doing this, you have to imagine he's doing it like I always imagine he's doing it to flirt with with Finch, right? That's what these bits are. But mm. in this case, like there's nobody on the line. Like it's just him. He's just doing it for his own amusement. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a like basic script that sort of works and he just like returns yeah. <laughs> to it, right? <laughs> I like that your, ex- your your explanation for this is that John is basically like a robot. He has the emotional, I mean, it's, the it's, intellectual it's, capacity of a robot. He has to use the same lines over. I know. I, I, I it's might not wrong, necessarily though? that, but it's definitely, no, but it's definitely like funny. he's got like he's got moves. Like I mean, he's got like specific things that he's like, I can say this, and nobody's gonna give it a second right, thought. Right. Well, let's see. I'm on a plane, so I can't hit anyone with a truck. I guess I have to make a joke about being a frequent something or other. Yeah, or a like, concerned something or other. It's like it's like. You know, when people are like, who are you? Like, it's always like, concerned something, something. No, but he does hit something with a truck. It's the drink truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he uses that to bash open a door. Oh, my God. <laughs> John. What a fucking mess. Uh, uh, I like, Anna, you, you mentioned in the notes uh, something that I had forgotten Uh <laughs> Until I read it, the International Homeland Security. John, you're a spy. 
have some self-respect. Yeah. How do you not have every agency memorized? And and see that that like in particular that line in particular is what drives my headcanon that like John just has a script and he sticks to it. And like he's good in some situations, like he's good at ad-libbing like as certain characters, but then you put him out of that and he's just like blue screen yeah. of death. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that's yeah, the result is you get the international spy ad-libbing uh 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 international homeland security yeah <laughs> what a futz and it seems like it seems like also a lot of his spy work was not so much the like interpersonal schmoozing stuff it was mostly just killing people yeah no my, my yeah john is here to like okay like john can do some basic like i can i can blend in but he is there to kill people counter argument I assure you that in the in the course of doing all that killing, he has pretended to be or killed someone from every alphabet agency in existence. So I refuse <laughs> to believe that he doesn't know that the International Homeland Security Agency is a terrible, terrible cover. Yeah, like, I mean, he has to know yeah. that there is a a he has to know actual an actual agency that would have been a better cover. Just go with Interpol. Or just say you're a federal marshal. That's whose badge you stole. Right? Like, those those are the only folks who carry guns on planes. Right. Yeah. No, I like I like Anna's explanation better that, like, the second he st- he steps off of his, his, routi- his, his pre-programmed algorithm, it's just, like, rolling the dice. It's just, like, yeah, it's like monkeys on typewriters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just look at how bad he is at maintaining cover, right? In so many of the episodes where like <laughs> every time it's like you can't reveal that you're like actually helping this person. And like 30 seconds later, he's like, get behind that tree. Also, and I think it's also worth pointing out that he he is so bad at maintaining actual cover that like they call him the man in the suit. Right. Like people have noticed him enough that like he is like an urban legend. You, yeah. If you have become an urban legend, you have failed basic spycraft. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on to someone who's actually good at being a spy and talk about Shaw in this episode because I really love Shaw's interaction with with um, Hirsch, Hirsch in this episode. Oh yeah, I I love Hirsch, who is poisoned slash stowed out of his gourd <laughs> of like sincerely asking Shaw, I like. Hey, these are new people you're working for. Are they being nice to you? It was so, it's, it's so sweet. Yeah. It's like, this is I, a guy who has tried to kill her multiple times. Yeah. But he's still concerned. He's like, look, we have our beef, but like, are they nice to you? I kind of, I kind of really enjoy Hirsch. Yeah. The way he delivers that line is just so good. Yeah. Well, cause you can appreciate, and we've talked about this before with Hirsch. You, Hirsch is a true believer. Yeah. He has never wanted to kill Shaw because he doesn't like her. It's always been because that's the, that is what was ordered of him. And he truly believes that that's, he has to follow those orders because that's necessary. Hirsch is a root. (laughs) Hirsch does not have any idea what the machine is. Like that's like, he is, I think the best way to say is like, he's John pre-series. Except like he is a John who stuck with the program and 
has become middle management. Uh, yeah, but but in the sense that like he's a root in the sense that like he is fanatically devoted to this yeah. paradigm, and for root that's that the machine is is God is is a god of some kind, so to speak, and for Hirsch it's that the program is necessary, and that any means are justified to protect it. Right. Yeah. And that makes him a terrible person, but it also doesn't, it, but it doesn't mean that he can't have actual moments of humanity, like where he, you know, genuinely likes Shaw and hopes that she's not being abused by these new people that she's with. And it makes him a great uh, antagonist too. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a great character moment for him that makes, makes him much more interesting as a character. Yeah. I, I like, and it's, and I think it especially works because we get we only get this when like narcotics have been involved to make his mask fall. Yeah. Um, whereas the last time we saw him, he was gonna he was gonna straight up execute everybody on the team. Yeah. Which I sort of kind of love. It's just like you know. Yeah. But um, it's interesting because like generally he's not going to like go out of his way to track them down or anything. But if he's ordered to kill them, like yeah. All right, let's do this. Nothing that Hirsch does is malicious. And it's not personal either, ultimately. Yeah. 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 Uh, overall, like I that's why I that's why I originally gave him the nickname of the McTurpidator, because it's like he does like he is doing his job and pretty much his job only. And like I said, he's he's devoted utilitarian to the mission to the ta- to the, to the program. The ends absolutely justify the means because, however many people he kills, it will be there is no possible way that it will be worse than what would than the than the outcomes that they prevent through the ISA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever they do is for the greater good of the United States, the the protection of the people of the United States. In his mind, I'm sure he thinks he's a patriot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to express my appreciation for the fact that Shaw also is a big fan of the ye olde car trunk. Yeah. I think that must be part of the playbook that they were both trained from. Yeah. So a question. How many hours do you think Harold has in Microsoft Flight Sim? I was, you beat me to it. (laughs) I mean, it's in my notes. I didn't, I didn't see that. I just, as soon as he whips out, he whipped out like the The, fucking controller, like Yeah, the yoke and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, somebody plays Microsoft Flight Sim. Because the only person I've ever seen with that yoke was my buddy, George, who went on to become a Marine pilot and spent many, many hours playing Microsoft Flight Sim in the 90s when we were in high school uh, with a a yoke and pedals just like that. The only reason you have those is for Microsoft Flight Sim. I, I've determined that, like, I'm not very good with... I I like arcade flight sims. Like, I like to shoot stuff. But, like, the, 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 the rig that Harold pulls out is only if you're playing, like, Microsoft Flight Sim and, and flying, like, commercial planes. Yeah. Yeah. 747, <laughs> not Ace Combat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Ace Combat, yeah. It's... it's, it's it's such a good like whoever whoever brought that out for the prop department. Bravo for picking that like that rig. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it is such a humanizing weird little touch, and I love it. Yeah, because it's like I think if you like maybe at a lesser show, you would have just like somebody would have like pulled out like a fifty dollars sidewinder yeah. or like an Xbox controller or like done it with a keyboard. 
Yeah. You know? Just going to just give it he's like Yeah, but the fact that he like takes the time to like set up the thing is just like <laughs> And he's got so the good. he's got like the little side box too with the little with, like the the little dial mm-hmm. stuff of like Yeah. No, it's very chef good. Yeah. Yeah. And and Emerson sells the hell out of that scene too. Like, given that oh, yeah. he has so little to work with, like he's just at a table with a joystick and like a bunch of other oh, yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, he's got to sell everything for that. Yeah, Every, so much of his performance on this show is him against a monitor or against his finger in his ear. Like, mm-hmm. so much of his performance on this show is him reacting to voice cues that we see. And he he sells all of them. It's really impressive how much weight he manages, how how he manages to carry so much of the gravitas of this show when so much of his performance is him at that computer. Yeah, and it made it made me so happy when they when they clapped for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I man. truly do not know where the clapping for planes thing started. It's, I, I've been so this is like a which long is, standing, which is weird because I've like I've never been on a plane where that happened. I've been on it's a, a long standing joke I have with with my friends about like how we won't be friends with people that clap on planes. <laughs> I've been on a and couple of so when they all started that where people where everybody clapped and like they were the ones that like had a lot of turbulence or like things mm-hmm. like that where you're like thank you, thank you for bringing us safe to the ground because we all thought we were going to die. The first time it happened, I was more frightened of the clapping than I had been of the turbulence. <laughs> it was so upset. It was so unsettling to me. I had no idea what was going on, but I found it deeply unsettling. Uh, can we talk about the final seat at the cafe? Yes. You mean where they go on their date to the tailor? After John is done begging a flight attendant, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like goes back to his boyfriend and is like, you know, I just had some time to think. Uh, I'm not going to make any of the jokes I make about other characters in those situations. Um, oh, now I want to hear them. If this, were, if this were a meter podcast, I'd say after five minutes of the flight attendant. Uh, <laughs> if this were a meter show. He gets it out of his system. Like throughout the episode, like when... John originally calls Harold. He's like, why are you sending me these fucking, this fucking number? And Harold is like, I don't agree with your decision to leave, but I respect it. And I'm not going to, I'm not doing this. And, and with the, the ending conversation here, it's a way of like, Hey, we are grieving in different ways. Yeah. And it's not like it's, the grief is not gone, but it's like, Oh, Hey, you've gone through the part where you're needing, where you need to process this alone now. And would you like to come home? It's it's like Harold is Harold is like looking at the cat who climbed to the tree. It's like, would you like to come home now? <laughs> <laughs> have you realized? Have have you re- recognized your mistake? But yeah, I, I and like and it's like, oh, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, my my atelier. Uh, if we, we can go, we can go visit him and like and you know, I I'm sure that I'm. I have not like read too much into these, but I'm sure that you could make something homoerotic about getting fitted for a suit. I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that could be for it. Have you ever been fitted for a suit? I have not, or at least not 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 for like one of the fancy ones where they stick pins in you. So I I have had I've never had like a custom suit made, but I have had one tailored, 
and uh, hands go places. And <laughs> it's fine. It's all done very professionally. But if you were there with your boyfriend and, and there were like significant glances being made the whole time or like what was that episode where where have we already seen the episode where Finch is measure is like Taylor yeah. like measuring John? Yeah. Yeah. You remember how gay that was? Yeah. 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 I mean, so you know what's up. You've seen you've seen where that can go. And we pick up we we're going to pick this up right at the start of next episode practically. Yes. Yeah, I like your note here. The f- the first note for this next episode is gay with like 7 or 8 no, like 11 A's and like 20 Y's. <laughs> so And and then parentheses uh, on I that note, Why don't we Yeah, let's let's move on to that episode so we can fully discuss yes. how gay this next episode is. This is episode 14 of season three. So this is our pie episode. Excellent. Um, Provenance, written by Sean Hennon and directed by Jeffrey Hunt, who I want to thank them both for their service because this is probably the gayest episode of Person of Interest. Like, mm, there's hard disagree. I, I hard disagree. I okay. There are like, I think there's just a lot of like, Okay, we're 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 gonna talk with this, but heists are inherently erotic, <laughs> and like there there's the there's the Gerald stuff going on, but like Kelly uh, and Shaw, yo, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's go on. Um, I mean, we can talk. We can we can we can clarify this. I think there are like oh hey there are there are ships here but if you want to take like one episode in isolation you're still wrong. There, we we've had we've had some more like domestic gay episodes previously but this is like this is um the most like homoerotic specifically episode. Yeah, this had. is subtextually homo there's a lot of subtextual homoeroticism here. Yeah, cuz uh, can you remove your your headphones for a moment on? There are episodes, at least two, I think three, where the subtextual homoeroticism between Shaw and Root becomes overtly textual in very aggressive ways. Yeah, sure. But right now, this is like, this is is like... So not the whole series. It's, yeah, I mean, like, there... These might be the gayest episodes between Finch and Reese, and these might be the gayest episodes... The the most subtextually gay episodes, but they are not the most yeah. No, I mean textually like there, gay episodes. Part of this by is like I, I'm going by volume here, not quality. I still disagree. The no. episode there are there are at least two incidents that I think are tremendously good between Shaw and and Root that do not get into the problematic aspects. We'll talk about later. Yeah. All right. So our number of this episode is Kelly Lin, an event planner who's recently immigrated to the U.S. from China. The team thinks that she might be a spy, so they attend a party that she's holding at a museum. While attending this boring party, someone cuts the life and a dry ice bomb goes off while someone seals a Cezanne painting with some slick moves. When Shaw pursues, it turns out to be, oh, hey, Kelly. An Interpol agent with a frankly ridiculous French accent shows up named Alan, Alan Bouchard. Um, this guy. He, <laughs> sorry, I'll let you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk get, about. We'll him get later. to this about. We'll get to the tropes associated with fictional Interpol agents. Um, I have notes. Yes, and he reveals that she kills her accomplices, and he's been tailing her for months. Kelly shows up at the purloined letter, a bar uh, that is named after an Edgar Allan Poe 
uh, poem uh, or short story. And she meets up with a Czech dude named Cyril who implies that she's working for them and she has to do one last job. Some research finds that she used to live under the name of Zhaolin and was an Olympic gymnast who won a silver medal in the Olympics and was abruptly cut from the Chinese national team. Shaw breaks into Kelly's apartment and finds plans to steal a Gutenberg Bible, which is currently in transit in the city. Shaw intervenes, and it's revealed that she's working under duress, with her daughter being taken hostage by Cyril. She reveals that she had turned to crime to pay for her bills, and she was blackmailed into working for Cyril. When they confront her about the murder, she says she had no knowledge and thinks that it might have been Cyril who was tying up loose ends. For Kelly's daughter to stay safe, they decide to steal the Bible and heist a security corpse office that is holding it with Lionel providing blueprints. Lionel gets the security chief's fingerprints from a traffic stop that John poses with a fucking stupid fake mustache (laughs) as an arms dealer selling nuclear fucking triggers to gain access to the building. They tip off Bouchard, which prompts the security corp to move it to a specific vault. The team has John try to break in and fail miserably, and then he gets arrested, but it's a trick to draw attention away from the real team, where Shaw and Kelly break in and steal the Bible. Fusco picks up John to quote-unquote arrest him and just takes him to JFK, and Kelly goes to Cyril to try to get her daughter's release, with Harold letting Bouchard listen in. Cyril refuses to let Kelly's daughter go, but it turns out that John took a plane to Czechia and rescues her. Uh, Cyril and Kelly are arrested, but Bouchard gives her a key to let her escape. Kelly is reunited with her daughter, and the team celebrates with Reese pouring a drink for Carter in her absence. What an episode. Uh, It's a really fun episode. It feels like it's... It's obviously like it wouldn't be because it's like the I, I imagine that the scripts would be different, but it's like it's got a leverage vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the heist for good for sure. Oh, and uh, I would like to say that my only complaint about this episode is um, that the bad guy is named Cyril, and that is also the name of my in-laws' cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So every time I'm just like, ah, so so the Czech Siamese cat, I guess. <laughs> it just those those things that run through your head with shared names. So the thing that throws me off about this episode every time, uh, and this will obligate me to make a, a slightly embarrassing uh, admission, but uh, in college. I, one of my comfort watches was the OC and I watched that show a lot, okay, like a lot on repeat, which I want to be clear. I should be ashamed of. And I am. We hold no judges. You you, like, listen, some of the trash. No, it's okay. It's trash. And that's, everybody's allowed to watch trash and that's fine. But that, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've already discussed just how much scrubs I watched. Uh, during my college. Scrubs is all right, though. Scrubs is not trash. Scrubs is scrubs. Uh, <laughs> the OC is trash. That show is, there are section, there are episodes of that show that I literally would, would be horrified to be caught watching with another person in the room. That said, the French Interpol cop on this episode was in a number of episodes of the last season of that show <laughs> in which he played the extraordinarily horny uh ex-husband of uh one of the main character's girlfriends 
And all I can think of when I see him is him describing her in extraordinarily raunchy terms, comparing her to a f- piece of fruit. And <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I just can't. That's so specific. It, it, he has such a specific look and he has such a specific like fake Frenchiness because he's from Seattle. He's not even from France. He's from Seattle. It, it, it just, I mean, you just can't get around it. Anyway, and I watched a lot of the OC. So, uh, Henry Henri Lubati is his name, for what it's worth. He went to UW. Go Huskies. <laughs> see, now, now. The only time Go Huskies will ever be set on this podcast. <laughs> and see, now, now I'm wondering what I've seen him in. I, I think I've just seen him in like. He was in an episode of Burn Notice. Um, he was in yes, two episodes was. of Elementary, apparently. He was on Enterprise. Um, was he? Oh, wow. His IMDb page is a is a trip. He was on an episode of Supernatural. He was on an episode of it? Angel. He was on an episode of Chuck and one of Bones. Wow, I, I've just seen him, like, everywhere, Monk. Yeah, he was in the X-Files. He, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, he, he was in an episode of Monk, so I probably recognize that. But it's like, yeah, yeah like, I've seen him in, like, five different television shows oh he was in longmire too he was in one episode of a tv show called providence i guess this episode is titled providence but that's pretty close um uh, oh yeah and oh gosh wow which by the way by the way it might be like this is like maybe like a tertiary backup thing that we could do for like another thing it's not science fiction at all but longmire will be an excellent watch through he was even in the anyway. x-files wow yeah yeah and, this and also he's also an uncredited voice on the most recent barbie movie not the oh. live action animated that's so excellent good. yeah uh, though there is a different guest actor i want to talk about for this episode excellent it, we, uh, so the security chief for the security corporation that they heist is a guy named pharaoh who's played by christopher jackson who is possibly the only actor who I have a selfie with. Um, oh, is that where who, is that who this was? Yeah. So yeah, he he played General Washington in Hamilton. And in 2016, um, I got to see Hamilton on Broadway and I have a selfie of it and I have a signed program. Amazing. Yeah, which was like one of those things of like, wait a minute. Uh, okay, enough about guest. Or no, <laughs> enough about like the dude guest actors of this. Let's talk about some homoeroticism. Oh yeah, there's a bit it's of just, it. This episode's just teeming with it. Um, yeah, there, 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 there is like because they're going to like a fancy gala, not like the fun camp galas, but. Yeah, fancy dress is, like, inherently homoerotic. Yeah, and, like, the fact that, like, John can't tie a bow tie, which, mood, relatable. Um, (laughs) I can't can't tie a bow tie. Yeah, no. I can do, like, four different kinds of regular ties, but a bow tie, it it just flummoxes me. Oh, I'm terrible at regular ties as well. But then again, that's also just, I don't have to do it often, so. I went through a lamentable phase where I wore a tie in circumstances that did not merit it. And the less said about that, the better. Yeah, no, that just, pl- that, God, like everything I learned about like certain parts of your life, I'm like, wow, you were a real asshole. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, but uh-huh. yeah, the the um, where John says the remarkable line, "I've got to raise my game if I'm going to be seen with you." Yeah, which I'm just like, wow. <laughs> and and he's wearing he's wearing the new suit that he got from you know custom tailored in Italy, which I do have to say looks nice. Yes. Uh, I I love in that scene too where Shaw comes into the room and Shaw also is just stunning and no. she's just like I hate to break up this erotic moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shaw sees the elephant in the room, addresses it, and then gives it a high five. <laughs> yes, and like, then, and then. Like, Mike, like, and this is the thing where I'm like, this is maybe, like, this is maybe the gayest episode, is that when they arrive at the gala, the the person who's taking the name sees, like, like, checks Harold and John in, John walks in, and the woman says to Harold, just, like, basically a couple of, like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the equivalent of good pull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Wow, he's gorgeous. And, and just... Yeah. Harold, it's what like a, a little eyebrow raise, yeah, at her, and it's just like he just leans right into it. It's fantastic, uh, and then and then we continue with the episode to have um, Shaw and Kelly have just intense chemistry as they do a heist oh together. My gosh, yeah, they do a heist together, and it's like they're they're like doing like coordinated shit, like. Shaw is giving her a hike so she can get like to the to like a pipe on the ceiling so she can do like cool gymnastic shit to cl- to so that she can get over the electric fence without touching it. It's just oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, Shaw likes dangerous women. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I I think that is a thing that we, if not have already clearly established, will become in- increasingly clear as the show goes on. Yeah, no, sh- Shaw Shaw is the person who is like. Who sees the side of not only will this kill you, but it will hurt the entire time. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's just like great, like, I, I do like the whole bit of like Kelly is like the, oh, hey, I got, I, you know, got cut from the, of the Olympic team. And like, I had to made some bad choices and then ended up here. I will stand any lady who uses uh gymnastics for evil uh, <laughs> but it's like i you know i love a thief and you know if if shaw gets to play with a thief while rude is off being god's god's favorite cyber terrorist you know i love that for her yeah they haven't they haven't made any they haven't established the 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 uh formal boundaries of their relationship yeah <laughs> I do want to talk about something with this episode with Bouchard. Yes. Is that every time I watch it, I think Bouchard is going to turn out and kill Kelly or try to kill her. Yeah. Because every fucking Interpol agent in fiction is evil. Right, right. That, like, I think I think I posted in the chat as I was watching this, like, that I was convinced that the danger to Kelly was, you know, a Interpol agent on a on a vendetta especially with the thing with like you know where where he was like playing up the the body trail and the team was like that doesn't make sense and i was like oh he's just made up the body trail to like get the nypd mm-hmm. on board yeah 
but no. Yeah, no, he he's he's actually like playing it straight. He's he is the only fictional Interpol agent and possibly real Interpol agent who is like clean and <laughs> doing his job. Listen, listen, Interpol is so corrupt that one of their presidents actually and like com- like was convicted or confessed to bribery charges. <laughs> to be the head of a law enforcement organization and actually be prosecuted. Wow. And convicted. Wow. Like, how corrupt do you have to be? Very. Yeah, and yeah. I I like that you drew the the comparison with Leverage because I always feel like if you put Bouchard and Sterling in a room together, that would be just hilarious too. There, there's like the dialogue in this episode makes it like sound like the good, like there it is the Gutenberg Bible. There is no such thing. Like yeah, the, the Gutenberg Bible is special because it's because it's not unique. Yeah, yeah, that's like inherent to it. Yeah, like the 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 thing is like it was the first book it was the first book in Europe that was printed with movable type. And it's like and there are like presently I believe 21 extant complete Gutenberg Bibles and like another like 20 that are incomplete. And so it's like it's sort of funny cuz it's like it's a thing that you could like skim if you're not like it's like no, wait, there's like 20 of these things. Yeah. But they are, uh, I, obviously, they are very culturally important and they're right. very valuable. But yeah, it's, I think the last time I, 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 went, I, when I was in New York, the Morgan Library, I think, had their exhibit for the, like, uh, it was either down or it was like it wasn't available, the, mm-hmm. for the that, what they had, where they had the Gutenberg there. The Morgan Library is fucking cool. It is. I saw their Tolkien exhibit when I went there. Um, so did I. Yeah, that's why I was there. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very nice place. Um, like it's a cool, it, it's a cool museum. Also, like this is this is a this is a this is the second episode where they've had a technology that was like really coming into the zeitgeist. Yeah. at this particular time in history, because Harold three D prints prints figures. Right, and and it's uh he's got like a resin three D printer and. I I love that like it's got a little bit of a like montage to it as he's like reading yeah. the manual on how to set up and use this thing. Um it's great. I hope that 3D printer comes back. <laughs> because I could totally see Harold getting just really really into 3D printing. <laughs> <laughs> if he does, well uh maybe that's an episode we have Silver on as a special guest. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see him being like, like, John, I, I printed a, a, you know, hook for the dog's leash. <laughs> it's, it's in the shape, it's in the shape of a dog. Isn't it great? Uh, um, I don't think I have anything else on this episode. Uh, and it's like, there's all, there's all the good high stuff there, but that's like, that. I, it's popcorn. There's nothing like specifically, like, yeah. it's all good. Um, yeah. I love that John is like. I'm going to make the most evil persona possible so that nobody questions why, like, it's because it's like my whole job is to get arrested. Right, right. <laughs> and he's got the just the stupidest mustache. My God. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I, I love how bad that mustache is. And he immediately pulls it off. Uh, my My other favorite little moment in this is 
when Shaw's about to use the 3D printed fingers and Harold's like, don't forget to lick them. And she just has this like palpable disgust <laughs> over having to lick <laughs> the like 3D printed rubber fingers. Yeah, it's <laughs> like slightly gross, but like at the same time, it's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that you're simulating sweat. But she's just like, oh. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had to lick 3D printed fingers, so I don't know how they taste. But I, I hope that Harold cured and washed them properly. <laughs> no, I, I, I have no comments about licking 3D printed fingers. <laughs> Do we got anything else we want to talk about for this one? Nope. All right. So next time, we have a problem. That is, we got two stinkers in a row. Oof. Um, these episodes are Last Call and Ram. Um, so we are making an executive decision here. We're not skipping them, but we are adding a third episode on, Root Path. So we're going to be covering episodes 15, 16, and 17 next time. Just trying to make us, giving giving us something to look forward to in that recording. Yes, we don't, we don't want you to have to go a week where it's just like us making like 20 minutes of fart noises because, <laughs> I mean, I, there, we can, we can, la- hold on, it's hold not on, as I, hold bad. on, we need to have a, we need to have, we need to have like an edit of this, of that episode where, for those two episodes, Zathras just edits over fart noises. <laughs> that wouldn't be very fun to listen to. No. But, um, I mean, it's not, it's, I don't think either of them are as bad as the Hitman, Trigger Man. No, neither of them are as bad as Trigger Man, but. <laughs> Nothing's as bad as that one. There is, these are, neither of these are episodes that I particularly enjoy. <laughs> because yeah. they, they, or at least the, Ram, I think, is just, it tries to think it doesn't work. Last Call is just an episode that deals with so many tropes I hate. But we're going to put on a smile, and we're going to we're gonna lay back, think of England, and make our way for Root Path. Um, <laughs> until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.